This is the Touchy Subjects Podcast. My name is Aaron Billings and I am your host. In this episode, we are going to discuss anti-Semitism with Jamie Morocco and Tal Yardini, two wonderful Jewish women. And we're going to talk about their personal experiences with discrimination and how anti-Semitism is fitting into our current political climate. I hope that you guys take in all of the wisdom that these ladies bring into this episode. Hello and welcome back to the Touchy Subjects podcast. I am excited about this episode, not because it's fun and exciting, but because it's a conversation that needs to be had. January 28th was International Holocaust Remembrance Day, and I thought that this would be a good time to discuss anti-Semitism. Given that there have been numerous mass shootings over the past month, many of them hate crimes, such as the shooting on Lunar New Year in a predominantly Asian Los Angeles suburb, a shooting at a synagogue in Jerusalem, and the horrific death of Tyree Nichols. I know that anytime we talk about hate towards a specific people group, it can be heavy. So if this is too much for you, feel free to hit pause and take care of yourself and put your mental health first. With that said, I want to introduce you to our lovely guests. Jamie Morocco and Tal Yardini. Ladies, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves and share your deconstruction story with our audience. Jamie, would you like to go? Sure. Um, And thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and have this conversation. Um, My name is uh, Jamie Morocco. I am a body transformation coach. So I help women all over the world um, achieve, you know, their nutrition and and health goals. And, um, you know, I'm I'm really excited uh, to be here. So Jamie, why don't you share real quick your deconstruction story with everyone? Absolutely. So I am an only child and my mom is Jewish and my dad is Italian Catholic. And I was raised Jewish and my mom, as soon as she got pregnant, became very excited to have a child and to pass Judaism along. So I was put into Hebrew school. I had a bat mitzvah. I even had a confirmation at 16 into Judaism. And it was always kind of you know, and my mom did this out of the loving nature of her heart. She's a very loving woman, but it was definitely felt like it was pushed on me um, to some extent. And um, because of this, this made me really kind of question like religion because it felt not, it felt like why, who says that this is true or like what's going, what what it's really going on here. So I expressed this to my mom at a young age of 12 And my mom, again, she's such a loving, caring person. She actually bought me a book on Kabbalah, which is a a sect of Judaism that's really about spirituality. Um, It's some call it Jewish mysticism. Um, In modern day, they call it a technology. So I started studying Kabbalah at the age of 12. And that made a lot of sense to me because it was really deep into like karma and being a good person and spirituality manifestation. So that kind of got the ball rolling for me. And I really dove deep into that for many years. And then, you know, I've, I've never been, you know, a religious uh, person, but I've always just considered myself like Jewish by blood. 
Um, like I have Israel on my right hand. I like our Jerusalem, sorry, on my right hand. And I really love like the culture of Judaism. And I feel like it's such a deep part of my ethnicity. So I consider myself a woman who is definitely culturally Jewish. And it's like in my blood, it feels like part of my ethnicity. And I'm Ashkenazi Jew, which means I'm Eastern European, but I even feel so weird saying that because my bloodline goes to the Levant, which is like modern day Israel. So I feel very connected in in that way. Um, But my deconstruction was that I deconstructed the um, traditional uh, religious paradigms that I felt like didn't fit me for Judaism and found my way through the more spiritual side and feel a deep sense of connection to the land and to the people, um, uh, to the Jewish people. So I love that. You were the person that recommended the 12 names of God and I actually bought it. And I love it. I, I had never studied Kabbalah, but I started reading it and I bought the meditation book that came with it. And I thought it was really beautiful, like just very powerful. And even as somebody that has Christian faith, I like, I completely identify with it. It feels very universal to me. And so thank you for that recommendation. I loved it. Lovely. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Tall, why don't you go ahead and share your story with us and introduce yourself. We forgot to have you introduce yourself too. Yes, 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 yes. Would love to. I'm happy to be here with both of you having this very important conversation. Uh, so I'm Talia Dini. I am a breakup recovery coach. I work primarily with women and I help them let go of their ex, learn how to love themselves and be ready for their best relationship yet. I spent 13 years in New York as a singer and actress pre-pandemic and then decided to switch over to this career. And so... Um, Judaism and how it relates to me, I was born in Israel and moved to the States when I was about two and a half. And I moved to Key West, Florida, um, which there are no Jews there. (laughs) So I grew up in a very Catholic-based community. And so I was really the minority. And um, I grew up in a very traditional, modern traditional household. But yes, also I felt like Judaism was kind of being forced upon me, especially because I wasn't in a Jewish community. So I feel like my parents really just wanted to instill that in me so that I wouldn't conform (laughs) to something else. Um, So it actually um, drew me a bit away from the religion as I, you know, went into adult life and, you know, went to college and such. And I felt like I really loved the holidays, but I really wasn't connecting um, from a religious standpoint because I feel like what I was taught was sort of God-fearing and that just never really sat well with me. So um, I would probably say in my 30s, I really started to, early 30s, I really started to explore spirituality and I got into A Course in Miracles actually um, and that's been very strong for me in the past six or seven years of my life. And um, when you look at that and you see like on a spiritual level, Kabbalah, Course in Miracles, Buddhism, it's kind of all on the same playing field. And so that makes a lot more sense to me than 
some of the rules that were in that are instilled in Judaism, which I understand and I respect, but I just didn't personally connect to. But culturally, I feel very Jewish. Um, I feel like I can't really get away from it with my name and just being born in Israel, speaking Hebrew. Um, and I love many things about it. And I love the community feel of it. So that's what I would say. So this is something I've wanted to ask. And I've had a lot of conversations with my friends in the black community. And a lot of times black people will sit their children down at a very young age to explain things like when you get pulled over in the car, uh, you know, what to expect, what you should do, how to handle those situations because of police violence in the world. So my question for you guys is, as Jewish people, is there ever a time in a young Jewish person's heart when they realize that they're different? Or is there a time where their parents have to sit them down and have some conversation specific for your community? Yeah, I mean, for me, like when I was little, I can't remember a time where my mom actually sat me down and had the talk. It was more just like in me learning about the holidays because we would do like Passover and stuff. I just learned how um, much the Jewish people went through. And then when I learned about the Holocaust, you know, I don't have a first memory of that, but I just feel like there was always this underlying sentiment from a very young age. I can't remember a time where I did, I was not aware of how being Jewish is different and how there's only you know, we're less than like 2% of the world and there there's only like 15 million of us. And um, I, I just, it, and it always felt like my mom was almost on like high alert about it because she was so sensitive um, because growing up, she had experienced anti-Semitism and she grew up in a part of upstate New York where like all the Jews lived and they had to go to like this country club and they had to, they couldn't go to that country club and they had to like stay in this neighborhood. So I just, all, because of her hyper awareness and because of her experience, I feel like it was almost something I was like born with. So to speak. Wow. wow. That's, that's, that's sad for your mom. Like to, to have that experience. I, I, I empathize. Uh, Tall, how about you? Yeah, I I uh, was never sat down, but it's kind of ingrained in you. Um, you learn from a very young age through the holidays, through the Holocaust, that Jews have always been persecuted. You see it through history. And particularly with my family, so my mother's side, um, they're Lebanese Jews. And so they emigrated to Israel when I believe my mother was nine. And it was because Jews were being killed. So you kind of know it from a very young age that this has happened in history, this happened in my family. And so you have to be proud of who you are and where you come from. And I think also growing up in Key West, I realized I was different from, I mean, kindergarten. You know, I was the only one speaking Hebrew. I was, you know, there were just little things that none of my friends did or experienced um, and so from a very young age, I was like, ooh, I'm different. Wow. I'm trying to take time with my words because I want to make sure that anything I say does not come as wrong. Um, 
I guess my question here would be when you know that you're different, is there a heaviness that comes along with that? I I don't know if it's a heaviness as much as I didn't celebrate myself being Jewish when I was younger. I think because I wanted to just fit in. So there are things that I would minimize about myself. Obviously, I couldn't minimize speaking Hebrew because my mother refused to speak English with me. <laughs> so anytime we were out and about, we were always speaking Hebrew. Um, but I think that there were other things that I would try to minimize about myself because I really just wanted to fit in. I really just wanted to be like everybody else. And it probably wasn't until maybe high school where I could start to be proud of who I was and the differences. And I don't want to say shame, but yeah, I think from a young age, you just like want to fit in with everybody else. And so you don't, you don't know what to do with this part of you that is different because it's not really being celebrated. Nobody really understands it. You know, it's not, no one's teaching, you know, other kids what Judaism is. And so you just really want to fit in as much as possible. And then by the time you feel like you have more of your own identity, then you feel like, okay, I can bring more of this part of myself. I don't really have to hide it anymore. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Jamie, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was like a minimizing. Um, I do remember like as a young child, because I experienced anti-Semitism very young when a young boy bragged to me that his um, grandfather was a Nazi. So I remember just like not even wanting to be Jewish anymore and wanting to just say, no, my dad's Catholic. Like I'm, that's not, you know, which makes me even so sad to say now, but yeah, for me there, there was minimizing. There was, oh, there was shame for me because I just like Tal said, I just wanted to like fit in. I didn't want to be different. Um, and you know, there were, I experienced like that anti-Semitism at a young age, so. That's heartbreaking. Tal, have you ever experienced anti-Semitism? Yeah, I, it's interesting because then I didn't see it that way, but recently I've been reflecting a little bit to see like, oh, growing up, you know, because Key West is a very liberal town. It's one of those towns everyone like loves everybody and it's very different from the rest of Florida. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and I realized, I think first grade, um, one of my friends out of nowhere, she was like, what did she say to me? She said, you kill Jesus. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, you're Jewish, right? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, you killed Jesus. And I I had no, I, like I was mortified because I, I didn't even know how to defend myself. Like I didn't understand. And it was, and I went home to my mom and I was like, my friend told me that I killed Jesus. Like I didn't know. And she was like, yeah, you're, you're going to hear that from time to time that we killed Jesus. And I, I didn't know what to do with that. And so then I didn't really, you know, I didn't know like what anti-Semitism was exactly at that young age, you know, it just, again, like kind of confirmed that I'm different um, and then as I got older, I would hear things like, oh, Jews have big noses. Oh, Jews are cheap, right, Tal? And I'm like, like, again, you're speechless because you're like, where is this coming from? And then by the time you're older, you're like, wow, this is like, this is anti-Semitic. And you wonder like, where is this being taught? How are you even coming to these conclusions? Yeah, for me, as a Christian growing up, 
I've always been taught, oh, we love Israel. We love Jewish people because Jewish people are God's chosen people. And so, you know, I've been to Israel and I loved it. I It, it was a beautiful experience. And for me, it's just crazy that these stereotypes that just keep coming up over and over again, they're becoming part of like normal conversation in the media, even with social media. And this brings me to kind of my next point, which is like in this current political climate that we're living in, why are statements like the ones that Kanye West are making so dangerous? It's unbelievable to me that he can get away with that. People like Kyrie Irving promoting anti-Semitic films. Like, I just don't understand how they can get away with that and it be okay. Why is that so dangerous? It's dangerous for so many reasons. And one of the most dangerous pieces of rhetoric that I've heard about this is when people will take what Kanye West says and they'll say, that's not anti-Semitism. And that really irks me because as a white woman, I would never tell a black person or a person of color what is or is not racist because I don't know. And as I was watching this all unfold with Kanye West and people were like, that's not anti-Semitism or being anti-Israel isn't anti-Semitic. It's like, unless you're Jewish, you really do not have a right to say what is or isn't. Because I know that if I were to insert myself in a conversation of what is or isn't racism, I would be, just get ripped apart. So I think that that's the first problem. And I think the second problem is that all uh, racism, anti-Semitism, any type of bigotry is wrong. And it's especially scary when you take a group of people that is so tiny. Like, you know, I don't want to compare things, but we are one of the smallest of the major religions of the world, like 2%. So you take an already small group of people. If we are only 15 million and you think about Kanye West, who has double that in followers on one platform, you know, that's scary to me. Uh -huh. And that's problematic because you're so small. Like you, you have like the, the facts are that there's probably way more people that do not like Jews and are anti-Semitism than who are Jewish. And that to me is, is a big, big scary thing. So. Yes. Yes. Tall, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I, I agree with Jamie. Um, I think that it's, uh, extremely dangerous rhetoric because he's giving a platform to those who already hate. And so he's normalizing it is what he's doing. And so, you know, when, again, I felt like there were people that were trying to minimize what he was doing by being like, oh, that's not that bad or that's not. And it's like, no, it is that bad because celebrities, um, basketball players, et cetera, they have an enormous amount of influence. And so when people are following them, they listen to what they say. And so to think that words don't matter, well, words do matter because what we saw soon after he made that statement is, you know, people on a major highway in LA, 
you know, basically neo-Nazis, right? With and and so it just gave them a platform. And so to say that words don't matter, well, if we go back to World War II, how did it all start? It started with words. So they do matter. It's very dangerous. Um, and we have to speak up when we see something like this. We cannot normalize this for one second. I wholeheartedly agree. When you see people sharing these anti-Semitic books, films, rhetoric on social media, how does that make you feel? Well, luckily, I don't follow people that share that. <laughs> but um, in seeing it in the media, like, you know, with, um, excuse me, with, you know, Kanye West, um, it was extremely disturbing because anti-Semitism has been on a rise prior to this. And so then to see him just openly speak out about this in a way where he feels untouchable by what he says was deeply disturbing. And I think the part that disturbed me the most was that people weren't speaking out about it um, right away. And that was very disturbing to me because I was like, why are we so silent about this? And this has been sort of a thing in history when it comes to anti-Semitism. There's not really the same type of allyship, which there should be because hate is hate regardless of who it's happening to. So we all need to be on the same page. Um, and so I didn't feel like people were really speaking out about it in the way that I would have liked to have seen um, the way that they would maybe speak out about other um, other groups. And so that I think that was deeply disturbing to me. Yeah, I agree. It was It was really upsetting. And you know, as I scrolled through my TikTok feed in during those weeks where he was just on unhinged, um, I was seeing a lot of support for him. And I was seeing very little support for the other side. And one could say maybe that's the algorithm. I don't know. But then, you know, I, I like Tal said, I did not see people immediately come to the defense of you know, the Jewish people and really call out what he's saying is wrong. And then I remember Dave Chappelle did a segment um, on Saturday Night Live, not shortly after. And I remember like I watched five minutes of it and I said to my husband, this is really anti-Semitic. And my husband was like, is it? Tell me, please. He wanted me to educate him because to him, he couldn't, he, he could understand how I was feeling, but I feel like because it was just on the cusp where somebody could take and make light of a situation, I feel like it takes somebody who like is a Jew to actually know to call that out and call it like it is. So I feel like what Kanye West did is like Tal said, he opened the door and now there are these other people sort of teetering on the, on the line and that teetering on the line is, you know, what can lead to catastrophe. So Dave Chappelle can Agreed. really get himself in trouble with basically all groups. I mean, he is, yeah, a, sure. he, he's out for everybody, isn't he? It's, it's sad yes. because <laughs> I see, I see a lot of comments of pacifying it. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, this, uh, you know, this is just all of you woke people that are just trying to cancel somebody or, you know, those kind of comments. And I'm like, pay attention to World War II. What started there? What red flags are we seeing now that were there ahead of that? 
And that's that's very scary, especially considering how close Kanye was to Trump there for a minute. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that people aren't really talking about is that that there's some political ties here that are kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I in and, and to kind of piggyback off, off of what you were saying about pacifying, you know, when they use his mental illness as an excuse, I don't use that as an excuse because what's so interesting is that a murderer, a rapist, most likely there are mental issues there. But what is wrong is wrong. And so yeah. to use that to say, oh, he's bipolar. So like, let's give him a free hall pass. No. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you get a free hall pass on hate, no matter who it's aimed at, no matter who is the mouthpiece, whether you are the president of the United States or a rap star that thinks they rule the world. I think, you know, this topic is so important because in coming from, you know, this this rhetoric coming from Kanye West, right? Giving power to like hate groups like, you know, KKK and neo-Nazis. And that to me is also really scary because we have, I feel like it just comes from all these different, like there just doesn't feel like a safe place for us to land, which is kind of the theme throughout history (laughs) for thousands of years. Right, right, which is why Israel exists. Yeah. And Israel isn't safe. It must be incredibly hard knowing that just because of your bloodline, there's no safe space for you. That's yeah. Yeah, it's interesting um, because so definitely when you know Trump came into presidency, we saw a lot more anti-Semitism, and you know I think in the past two years you're seeing it in major cities, and I think that's what's really scary is that like these people aren't hiding in the middle of nowhere. Like this is happening. In New York, this is happening in LA, this is happening in Miami, like you're seeing it in major cities. And I think that to me is very scary. Absolutely. The thing with Kyrie Irving, so Kyrie is a basketball player. I'm a sports geek. I I can't help it. But uh, he plays for the Brooklyn Mets. Brooklyn has a huge Jewish community. I mean, the Hasidic community in Brooklyn is one of the largest, if I'm not mistaken. And he said that knowing that that's his audience, that's his fan base. Now, granted, Joe Sy, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, worked with the Anti-Defamation League and they they got him to a place where he finally understood that what he was promoting was hate and discrimination and anti-Semitism. But it shouldn't take two weeks of working with the Anti-Defamation League for you to understand that what you're saying and spreading is wrong and it's harmful and hurtful. And let me get off that soapbox. <laughs> Sorry, I, I could go on on that. But it's like, I don't think people know that what they're saying is harmful a lot of times. And then there's the people who know that it's harmful and they don't care. And both of those things, in my opinion, are very dangerous. Yeah. I'm not sure that he didn't know. I agree. I think it's my personal opinion. And I think like when you play for a major team, 
you do what you need to do to save face, right? In order to keep going. So I'm not sure there. Um, I'm open to obviously a dialogue and a conversation where you really come to a genuine understanding, but that will require work on your end. It's not just about going for two weeks. It's like, what will you do from here on out? How will you be an ally? How will you be an ally? It's not just about understanding because you did some things that were very damaging. Uh, Yeah, and a fine that's made to the Anti-Defamation League or any kind of organization, that's pocket change to him. Granted, he just lost his Nike deal over it. But anyways, and he deserved that. Um, I, I think what I really want to see happen from this episode is for people to understand that our words have power. And even when we like something, that is pacifying hate or discrimination. We are supporting it. And I just wanted to ask you guys as Jewish women, do you have any parting wisdom or foresight that you would like to share with everyone to kind of help them remember, to help them remember that their words can hurt and harm and do damage? Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, listen, more than you speak um, is a big one. You know, when everything happened in 2020 um, with George Floyd, um, people listened, you know, and are still listening. And I listened and I'm still listening. And I will always continue that journey. I will always be understanding how I can understand my privilege more and, and, you know, really become an ally for people of color. I think that in this situation, people also need to listen because when you are not a Jew and you are out there policing what is um, anti-Semitism and what isn't, or if you've never been to Israel before and you know nothing about what's going on there, if you are calling Israelis colonizers without understanding the facts, then, you know, I really think that you've got to do some listening to people. And obviously everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but the opinion can't come from a few Instagram posts or a few articles that you've read. It has to actually come from you taking the time to learn. And if you don't want to take the time to learn, then don't say anything. That's my two cents. <laughs> That's worth a lot. I love what Jamie said. <laughs> Yeah, I love what Jamie said. I completely, I wholeheartedly, especially when she said about Instagram influencers, I was like, yes. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's really important to know the facts before you repost something. Um, I had a friend who, um, it was one of the Hadids posted something about Israel and um, and my friend reposted it. And so I personally just reached out to her and I said, hey, I just want you to know, like, this is really damaging. And I'd love for you to take a moment and research this before you, because this is actually factually not true. And she came back to me and she was like, I'm so sorry. I, I did research. Oh my gosh, I took it down, blah, 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 blah. But I think it's very important because again, celebrities. So we take what they say as facts or they must know or, and no, like we, we do need to listen more. You know, we need to give this the same respect that we give for anything else that we find to be important to fight for. And so I think that, you know, especially if you have Jewish friends, check in with your Jewish friends and see how they're doing during this time. I think that's really important. And I think that be a true ally. Don't stay silent on this because to be silent is to be complicit. Oof. 
That's a word right there. Another thing that I think we can take away from this conversation is check your media sources. As somebody who works in media, there's a big difference between top-tier publications and mid-tier publications. And a lot of those mid-tier publications that a lot of people read because they're in the feed of Facebook now or in your Apple News, they, they take that as Bible. And unfortunately, not all sources are the same. And so make sure that you're reading sources that are unbiased. That's, that's number one. Unbiased is a good one. And that are credible sources. That is huge, especially people that fall for the Christian nationalism stuff. So that's just my little tip of the day. <laughs> uh, because it is so important that we know that what we're taking in and then sharing out is actual truth. So, so ladies, how can we find you uh, on Instagram, TikTok, podcasts, all the things? Please share with us your information so that people can find you. Uh, um, you can find me on Facebook. It's just my name, Jamie Morocco. Um, feel free to add me as a friend or follow me. And uh, I'm on Instagram and the Instagram handle is just my name as well. So feel free to reach out there. Awesome. Tall? You can find me on Instagram. So at the Tagliardini. Very cool. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you. I feel like this was a really good conversation. And I'm really hoping that everyone out there listening really embraces what these women had to say. Thank you so much. Thank you for having this conversation. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Touchy Subjects podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Touchy Subjects or join our Facebook group, the Touchy Subjects community. We also have a Buy Me a Coffee page if you would like to consider contributing to our show. If you love the show, please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so that we can continue to bring you episodes that you love. Thanks for listening and see you next time.